Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. My fabulous co-host, the nonprofit ninja, Natalie Jablonski, is here. That's right. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Hey, Natalie. Hey, Marjorie. What's going on with you today? Well, you know, I was thinking. and Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. It's trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so we've all got them, or, or maybe have had them. What's um, that? That coworker that's so difficult to work with that every time you go to talk with them, it ends up in a blow-up or hurt feelings, maybe even worse, just complete avoidance. Yeah, right. I have been there done that. I think we might even have t-shirts available on the website that say, I've been there and done that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. And well, when things slip through the cracks and then your work suffers and their work suffers. Yeah. And the organization suffers, really. Yeah, yeah. Everybody does. And I've just been kind of going, gosh, is there a better way? Is there? Well, I think there is because we have Pamela King here from our community uh-huh. listens, um, and she's here to help us figure out that better way. So, welcome, Pam. Hi, Pam. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank Absolutely. you. Thanks for coming in. So, tell us about yourself and our community listens. Well, my name is Pamela King, and I am the St. Louis chapter leader for our community listens. And I've been in this role for about a year. Prior to that, I have a little over 20 years of Air Force experience as a resilience trainer, a logistician, and a victim advocate. Um, uh, so I have a little bit of background on listening and supporting others and serving the community. Um, in this role, um, our founder, Bob Chapman, and his wife, Cynthia, they wanted to bring um, this gift of listening um, to the St. Louis community. And so for the past year, I've been sharing this gift um, with the entire St. Louis region um, through the three and almost four classes that we have scheduled this year. That is awesome. So tell us a little bit about the program of our community listens and kind of what you go through during that to give us kind of a sneak peek. All right. So a sneak peek <laughs> is um, our community listens was founded five years ago. Um, we have six locations that we offer um, this training around uh, the U.S., and so with that, um, we offer a three-day transformational class where we actually help people strengthen their personal relationships by developing um, interpersonal communication skills. And so we do that here in the St. Louis area in a three-day class um, where it's eight hours and people come in with the goal of really strengthening and connecting with others by learning how to really value um, what they're hearing the other ones say, really giving them a voice. And so that's what our class does. It teaches us how to listen to others through empathy, um, looking at how we communicate uh, with others based on our needs, our behavioral tendencies, our nonverbals, and that one big thing, that one big rock that we all avoid, and that is confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, we go right in and we talk about why it is that we avoid confrontation and what is the goal and how can we do that better. So is the idea that your class is designed for people who work together in the same office or is it designed that anyone could participate and just learn how to improve or is there a combination of both? It is a combination of both, actually. Our class is designed for the stay-at-home mom, the pastor, preacher, the teacher, um, the executive in the office who wants to be around um, people in the community and learn the, and learn these skills. Um, so my class is filled with I had, um, the mayor of Clayton's police officers teachers, parents, um, stay-at-home moms, uh, the YWCA, um, Adrian Bracey has gone through, Yaney from Focus St. Louis has gone through the class. Um, so it's a, it's a really a broad range of anyone connected to a nonprofit, 
a government agency, an educational institution, and anyone in the community that wants to learn how to do um, and listen to others better or differently. You know, I was uh, just speaking with a small child here recently, and he kept interrupting in class and interrupting in class, and uh, it was during a Sunday morning program, and finally I called him over to the side while the other instructor took lead, and I said, how many ears do you have? And he thought for a second, because I think he thought I was asking a trick question, and then he counted them, which was good, and he said two, and I said, how many mouths do you have? And he said, um... One, but I use it a lot. <laughs> and I said, and why do you think we were built with two ears and one mouth? And he said, because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. And I said, sounds like you've heard that before. He goes, my mother. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is true. We, especially I think in nonprofit and, and government, we, we end up talking about our ideas so much and brainstorming and wanting to share and wanting to get information out there. We forget the value of listening and how that can really hurt or hinder our relationships if we don't use it properly. Absolutely. And just one, giving everyone a voice yeah. and recognizing that all behavior is an expression of a need. We oh, tend to label well people yeah. um, based on our experiences with them. We often just don't look at the person for who they are. Um, if we learn to see people as a gift and treat bad situations as just that instead of labeling the person as a bad person, but really just recognizing that this person may just be going through some stuff that I'm not aware of. Um, but what if? Right. What mm -hmm. if I listen? What if I had a cup of coffee with them? What if I became more than just their supervisor? I became someone that cared because they matter to me. And I think it goes back to the stories we tell ourselves. I know we've had a show on here before uh, with uh, Rob who talked about the Cy Wakeman program and how one of the things they talk about that's so important there is that it's the stories we tell ourselves that can be more damaging than the actual actions that took place. So you cross by that person in the hallway every day and you say hello and that person kind of, you know, kind of grunts and you keep thinking, man, that person doesn't like me. They're upset because I called them out in that meeting the other day. They never respond to me. The reality is they are not a morning person and they haven't had their coffee yet. And they did not mean it towards you because everyone who's acknowledged them that morning has done that. Mm -hmm. uh, but because they've told themselves a story, now they're like, oh, well, then I just won't acknowledge them in meetings anymore. And like it stirs into this huge thing, which really the reality was the per just give the person a cup of coffee. That should be my motto, by the way. Just give the person <laughs> a cup of coffee. Um, but it, it sounds like a very similar vein as to what you're trying to work with and to bring people together. That's it. Our goal really is world caring. Oh, nice. That is our vision, world caring. How do we do that? By transforming the way we see the world. That's so awesome. And we do that one person at a time. Nice. So I'm thinking that this this just totally applies to that coworker from hell. So <laughs> what not that either of us have any of those coworkers we'd I like to don't. say on the record. We certainly don't. not a co co host. No, no, not no, thank you. <laughs> so but if somebody tells you that they just can't work with a person, um, what's the first thing that you tell them? I say, tell me more. Mm. Yeah. I, I want to hear from them what it is mm -hmm. that makes it difficult to work with the other person. Um, oftentimes we'll say, I can't work with this person. This person gets on my nerves or it's, you know, their issue, them, them. What is it about us that we can't work with this other person? Um, sometimes there are people going through difficult situation and their behavior irritates us mm -hmm. um, and gets our nerve. That is a reality. But what if it's us? We can change jobs five times. Every place is going to have somewhere difficult and people that are difficult to be around. Preach it, Pam. <laughs> so what if we change the way we dealt with people instead of trying to change jobs or trying to change the other person? Um, that's that's hard. Change is hard. Um, but when we learn to ask for change, 
instead of demanded or obligated, it changes the focus of that relationship. I became a professor before the chapter leader because it changed my marriage. It changed the way I interact with my husband. It changed the way I respected his gifts and the way that he sees the world. In turn, modeling that behavior by listening to my husband when he speaks instead of cutting him off with my ideas, my children see that. So they no longer cut each other off at the table. They see each other as valuable inputs that that can be offered as additional insight. They're 12 and 13. And yet we can sit down, all of us at the same time, and listen to one another. They didn't take the class. They had parents that model these behaviors. Um, my husband hasn't taken the class, but he's modeling what he sees me do. And as an, as an Iraq veteran with lots of experiences and being in different horrible environments that are just hard, this class changed my marriage and my life. Um, and that's a testimonial right there. It is. And there are lots of them out. Coworkers, you go back to coworkers. Mm -hmm. So I had two individuals from the same organization hadn't spoken in three years. I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know that the moment they walked in. How does that even operate? They, they branched off to two different cities from that organization. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that when they walked into the room, they felt sick looking at each other because it had gotten that deep. I got an email after day three that they have repaired that relationship in class um, and are working out being the best of friends again, which I had no idea they were even connected. Wow. Um, but at the end, when they shared the impact of the class, you felt something. Mm-hmm. But when I read that email of what it meant to have a person you hadn't spoken about in three years be, re- be reunited and healing that relationship, that work relationship with someone, it's amazing. It is it's breathtaking and it's really a privilege to be a part of their journey. And would you would you say use the words healing? And I love that because I think there's the expectation unrealistically from some people that we're going to figure this all out and everything's going to be instantly better. And it's like it's going to it's that's cartoon fiction. Like mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. It's There is a process in the healing, right? There is. There is a process. The first thing is perspective and being open. We want others to hear us. You always have that, you know, you're not listening and all you do is talk. At some point, someone's just got to just be in the moment, just be present and be willing to hear the hard stuff. Um, And that's hard, but it starts with the person that wants the change. And that's us. Um, And that's what our class teaches, really starting with us. One thing I love about our class is it's not just the three days. We do the three days plus a 90 day journal. You get a learning partner. At the end of that learning journey, that that learning journey, that 90 days with your partner, we're going to reconnect and do another learning session where it's like a deeper dive into a small skill. We go over five skills in those three days, but we're going to take those skills and go deeper for those that are willing and want that that sustainable change mm-hmm. and transformation and walk them and walk them through that. Then we're going to get together as alumni and just reconnect with people that you shared a very personal experience with and then a group of people that has also had that life-changing experience. And then we're going to go out and change the community because we're going to be living, breathing, and doing what it is that we say we want that change for. And almost, that's what changes the community. Almost sounds like camp where you, you, you go in and you don't know any of these people. And then all of a sudden you've got this bond that just lasts forever. <laughs> it is that. It, it feels like a retreat. Um, it doesn't feel like the hour to hour, like being in a classroom for eight hours a day for three days. It's really an experience. And it's part of that transparency comes from people being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, and when we set up the classes, it's only 18 seats per class and applications pour in. Our October class filled up last month um, with a wait list for next year because people are hungry for change, but they have to want to put in the work too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they're on that journey with us and we're offering that transformation learning experience, we know that it takes sustainable 
environments to keep that change going. And that's where we create that community of alumni that cares. So cool. One of the things that I hear about people who go to retreats that are powerful, such as this type of training, is um, their their fear is, and it's a, it's a real fear because I've seen it happen, where they're in this kumbaya moment, this really supportive environment, and then they get back to the reality, and it's hard to maintain. And so they're worried that it's going to set them up for unrealistic expectations. Can you talk about how someone can continue that that spirit, that drive after beyond the walls when they've opened up and you're back in the real world setting? We actually cover that too in class and we practice <laughs> Good that reintegration because one, people have an expectation that you've gone to this class, you're going to all of a sudden be a better communicator and a better <laughs> listener, right? And they want you to change. Mm-hmm. The other expectation is you have I, a yourself. I can see that. Well, you went to that thing. Why have right. you fixed yourself? Why are we arguing right now? You know, why do we still have the same problem? Um, but that personal expectation as well. We go back to the why. Why did you apply to be in this class? And we go back to that. What is that relationship that is so valuable? You can't afford not to listen. You know, we talking about parents coming through the class that are on the verge of losing a relationship with a the child. There are moments that are going to be hard to practice these skills. I, I'm a work in progress under construction, right? Um, but there's, there's relationships in my life that are so important. I can't afford to go back to the way I used to do it because I know what that's going to lead to. So we go in and we give some conversation starters. We ask people, we say, you know what? I went through this class. I'm really working on being a better listener and I want to be in your life and I want to do it well, but I need your help. I'm working on this area and I need you to help me. Can you help me be accountable? Can, can you help me when I'm not listening and remind me of you know what it is that we're working on? It's the, it's the asking for help instead of that trying to do it on your own. So that's, I, I really like that it's not, it's, 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 you're working on you, but it's not one-sided, mm-hmm. which is sometimes what I feel like when you people tell me, okay, it's, you, you know, <laughs> you've got to, you've got to do, you've got to work on you. You can't change them. And it feels like a lot of times that, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm putting out all this effort and, you know, trying to change mm-hmm. and doing that thing. And maybe I'm not telling them I'm doing all of this mm-hmm. and nothing actually changes because they're still expecting the old me to show up mm-hmm. or my old skills, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So let's give some helpful tips to our audience with regards to how they maybe can can work on some of these things themselves and some takeaways. So if they're in a current relationship at work and they're having a conflict and they've perhaps tried some things, obviously they haven't been in your class yet or this wouldn't be a problem, right? But um, is there is there the opportunity that they really think that they can make the change or a lot of times they're wanting to jump ship and go to a different job because they just don't want to deal with that person. What kind of advice do you give someone who goes through that type of experience? Start by asking the question, what can I do to help? Start by seeing the person as a gift and not a problem. Being open to the, to the, to the results that we're seeking. So if you're in a situation where it's a difficult coworker or someone, are you open to having it different? Are you open to a different relationship with this person or do you always expect it to be confrontational or difficult? Start off with a cup of coffee mm-hmm. to your new motto. That's right. Learn learn something about the person you can connect with instead of just the problem. Try connecting with the person instead of that situation. You know, um, if it's a quality assurance person, you're going to see them with a checklist and you got your guard up. It's like, okay, it's always going to, you know, they always got the clipboard. They're always this, they're always that. What do you know about their family? What do you know that's not being said? How do you see them? Do you value that person? Do you really value them or just what they do? And if you want that change, all you have to do is just ask, what can I do to help you? 
I had a great situation where we were doing a construction project and we had a, a person that was in charge of infection and they came in, they were new to the organization. They were very demanding on the facility team. Mm-hmm. So here's your HVAC and your, your plumbing and your electrical. And they left and, they, oh, they just said, every time this person walks in, I just feel they just so talked down to and she doesn't respect us and she doesn't know who we're doing and you need to talk to her. And so, of course, here I go as the Trojan horse, right, to go mm-hmm. in and, and repair the problem. Um, and come to find out when I start asking questions, why was she, what was she hoping to accomplish out of this meeting? What was her frustration uh, where were her biggest concerns? Background story is her experiences in other facilities that she had worked at was that the people in those positions, your HVAC, your plumbing and electrical, didn't know the rules, didn't understand the rules, and were constantly trying to cut corners and weren't communicating back. So she was always playing the gotcha, the gotcha, gotcha. And she's like, I hate playing that role. And I'm like, but that's the role you're playing. And she's like, well, that's the role I have to play because I have been taught this behavior is modeled by this particular type of group of people. And once I could understand that, and I brought it back to the table as a group, and I told them they were going to do that. There's nothing like being bombarded, right, yeah. with information. <laughs> you thought this was going to be a happy place, but today we're going to talk about conflict. Uh, <laughs> once I brought it back and we all had this conversation, what she realized was that these particular groups of people were very educated in infection control and were very concerned about the the end user just as much as she was. And they came up with, well, if you could help us with this, then we would know what you need for that. And she would say, well, if you could help me, let me know when this starts. Mm-hmm. Then, And next thing you know, they would say, oh, guess what? She came down and checked on the project. We're all good to go. And you'd see them laughing and they still got their work done. But because they just were on two different playing fields. And I think mm-hmm. we missed that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I worry about in that scenario, though, is they went to the supervisor and wanted me to get involved. They were nervous about approaching this individual. And I think one of the reasons was because they were not management and this person was, and perhaps they felt like they needed someone on that same playing field. Can we talk about those dynamics? I never know when's the right time to go to the supervisor and bring them in. When's the right time just to do the coworker to coworker approach? Because there's so, especially with an Air Force background, you can, Mm -hmm. of course, appreciate chain of command and, (laughs) and following that. And a lot of our nonprofits, I think, in the community are small, but there's some that have a very hierarchical structure and you know, you know, who to approach. And I always think that's an interesting dynamic. Can you give us some advice on how to handle that? Relationship. We, we tend to sometimes look at position. Our influencers are those that have relationship with that person. So even in the Air Force, you have your hierarchy of structure, but you tend to go to the one that knows that person the best. So we go to relationship. It's easy to lean on the person in that hierarchy and say, well, by this position, you should be able to make X, Y, and Z happen. You should be able to talk to that person. The, the truth is relationship. People listen to the one that they trust. And it works just as well in the Air Force. I can go to someone I have relationship with, regardless of rank and structure, and they will listen to me because they trust me, because they believe in me as a person. So it begins with the foundation of knowing everybody matters. Everybody matters. If you were to lose that job, that position, you're still that person. And so if we begin to see people as everybody matters, everybody's a leader, and we begin to value the person and we see them making decisions that are disruptive or hurtful, and we care enough, the courage that comes from that is what is what comes forth. And then we don't approach the person as they are the problem. We approach a person we have relationship with to solve a problem. And so even in that difficult situation, earlier I said all behavior is an expression of need. All behavior is an expression of need. You have people in roles that are not aligned to their gifts and talents. 
that they've been called to do this job and they're doing it to the best of their ability, right? But that doesn't mean that it's aligned to how they would normally operate. And so when we are stressed out, our gifts can become our greatest defeats. You know, the one thing that we do well in one, in one environment when levied too much can become detrimental to ourselves and those around us. So there are those that like to be, you know, empowered, go forth and go do. But when things get shaky and things get rocky or, or they're not being successful, that is very stressful. And they go into the control mode. I need to fix this. I need to, you know, pull back the reins of control. And what does that look like? That can look like someone that's bossy, demeaning, controlling, selfish, self-centered, because they're trying to put it all back together themselves because they're used to being empowered, right? right? Used to doing it on their own. Well, when left to our own devices, that can become very, very ugly. Um, and so we have to learn, one, to see people with these gifts and talents that they have, these behavioral tendencies that we unpack during the class. We spend a really good amount of time on the first day unpacking how we got to be the person that we are, not all the psychological deep dive, but really looking at our behaviors. There are a lot of things that make us think and believe the way that we do. You know, we have all kinds of influences, our parents, our environments, our religion. We have a lot of stuff that goes on in our head that makes us who we are mentally. But what we do with those beliefs is what comes out in our behavior. So what we focus on is behavior, not judging people based on what we think they're thinking, but what are they doing? And what are they doing that we want more of or less of? And sometimes it's looking at ourselves and saying, what am I doing that's causing this reaction? And what can I do different to get a different reaction? Sometimes it's self-examination, but oftentimes it's just looking at a person that's going through a difficult situation that's behaving badly, and we just need that to change. But it's sometimes changing how we approach it, regardless of who they are and where they work. Everybody wants to feel valued, and everybody wants to feel like they have a voice. And the best thing to do, regardless of whether they clean the bathrooms or whether they run the organization, is to treat them like a person. Because at the end of the day, when when everything else fails, if a family crisis happens, people want to know that someone cares about them, regardless of their position. And that's where we start, by building those relationships. One of the things that I hear a lot about in the listening process is we need to learn to use empathy mm -hmm. in what we do. And I've heard this used a lot, and I, I'm interested to learn more from you as to how, how do we define empathy? How do you know if you're being empathetic as opposed to being sympathetic. I think that's always a tough line for me and I have to keep myself in check. Seeing it the way they see it. Empathy is feeling it the way they feel it. We all have different experiences that um, we can connect with others through. Um, and it's really finding that within yourself that allows you to feel or see things through their eyes. Maybe you wouldn't react the same way they reacted, but it's understanding that in that situation, they're not you. Their experiences are different than yours, but understanding that there's a reaction to that same situation and it's hard. It's just starting with it's hard. The difference between buying a card and writing a card, that mm. sympathy, we buy sympathy cards. They're all Hallmark and I love Hallmark. They got some <laughs> great gifts and beautiful cards, but someone else wrote those words. Sometimes they do express what we're feeling, but oftentimes a handwritten note goes a long way. And just being able to connect with someone in your presence there are times where people don't need our words. They don't need our, our taglines. They don't need, you know, all those cliches. They just need to know that someone cares enough to be present. And if they don't feel like talking, sitting with them and just having a cup of coffee and agreeing, it sucks. Mm -hmm. And not trying to fix it. Just being in the moment and acknowledging this situation is hard. In the back of my mind, I may say, wow, I've been through something similar, but my empathy tells me I don't need to share it. 
because that's for me to connect with them, not for me to take over their situation. I don't have to tell them why I've been through that. I can feel what they're feeling because I've been through that. And that's the difference. And it's not about crying because they're crying. It's about understanding why they might cry and just letting them do it and not fixing it. And that's frustrating for people who are natural fixers and connectors and they want to, they're the, uh, the Pollyannas of the world, you know, they're, well, it's raining, but, you know, yeah, I can always catch myself if I use the words, but in there, cause I'm like, oh, I'm turning this and I need to put it, but that's your thing that you're good at. Like I have to back it off. And I think that's my big trigger word that I know if I'm talking with someone that if I sit there and say, well, I understand this happened, but like, then you're now you're transitioning, you're making it about yourself and you're making it. That making that person feel uncomfortable as opposed to acknowledging that their feelings are very real. And I always think it's really difficult too when someone has the emotions of anger or frustration and they're trying to express those because it turns into this chat session of crabbiness and I end up leaving feeling negative about it. So I'm never sure how to insert empathy into that situation. I mean, I'm sure that that person has every right to feel those feelings, but I don't want to leave feeling all worked up about it too. So is there a way on the listening side that you can balance those feelings? And how would you suggest we do that? We call that poaching the monkey. <laughs> you call it what? <laughs> poaching the monkey. When you're taking on those those problems of, of another person and all the fixers in the world. Yeah. You know, it's like, you got a problem, let's, you know, let me go fix it or, you know, let me take off my earrings and go to this fight with you. You know, <laughs> you know the hype man, the one that's going to get you all stirred up and, you know, before you know it, they're madder than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, wait, why are we yeah, mad again? Like, why are we about to go fight again? I thought, no, we're good. Time out. Um, mm-hmm. The way we start that is allowing them to own their emotions. And yes, you feel frustrated, but identifying who has the problem and and letting them have that problem. And for the fixers, don't fix it because you will always be the handyman. You will always become the fixer. And they never learn how to solve it for themselves. They become dependent on you for all the right answers. And when it doesn't work, they also point the finger. I think that's really good for relationships too, especially close relationship, close friends, or if you're you know, have a real close relationship with your mom or your spouse and you rely on them for a sounding board, I always find it's very helpful for me to set the tone as to what I want them to accomplish before I start talking. Mm-hmm. So I will go home and I will say to my husband, tonight, I just need you to acknowledge that I am frustrated. Please don't try to fix what I'm getting ready to tell you what happened. And boy, it is so hard for him because he sits there and he's, I can see it. He's <laughs> every vein in his, he wants to tell me how to fix it, right? But he'll get to the end. He'll go, well, that's terrible. You must feel very frustrated. And I'm like, I do. And then he's like, you want a glass of wine? I do. And, <laughs> and I'm like, is there anything else you'd like to say? No. I, it's so painful because they want to just jump in. But when you that's have a relationship like that and you know that that's their tendency, I find that my I get less frustrated if I tell them what I want from them out of that experience, if I preface that beforehand. But, and like you said, that's his need. Yeah. He's meeting his need to fix your problem. Right. Recognizing it's your problem. And, I think what and close how people did you do, right? feel when he just listened? I suspect, Marjorie, I know you and your mom are really close. Mm-hmm. I suspect if you call mom and say, oh my gosh, guess what happened today? She might get into with her experience, especially. Oh, yeah. Especially with it's, yeah. Uh, well, and especially if it has anything to do with nonprofit and or work or anything like that, because that was her life uh, before she retired. So, yeah. We we have I sometimes I do have to do the exact same thing of you know I got to deal with this but I just need to let this out because I can't I can't uh, you know barf this all over my staff that would be unfair because it's about them so or right. something like that. Well, and as a as the leader, it's not like you can go to someone else on your team 
and share that frustration. You're you're requested to be the leader, right? Mm-hmm. And so you need to have a safe place to disrobe and to share those emotions, those feelings. And sometimes you just need to be able to share the feelings. You don't want someone to fix it. You don't want someone to tell you you're right or you're wrong. or you're, You just need to share. Now, at the end, I always say, if I say, what do you think? I'm asking, mm-hmm. what do you think? If I ask, say, how would you, you know, what, but without me prompting, you know, that please just, just be there for me. And it's, it sounds really easy in conversation, but boy, implementation is tough. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why it's a three-day course. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's why there's a 90-day journal and yeah. a learning partner and <laughs> continuous learning. Um, but start with children. Those, mm-hmm. those um, in the audience that have small children, start with just listening to their day. Mm. Don't and put, and, fix and it. Not but, while you're looking at your phone. Right. Mm. Put it down. Be present. Turn and face them. Look them in the eye and just be there. Don't interrupt. Let them just go on. Get it out and watch what happens the next day. Do that with a coworker or a boss. Just be there. Don't fix it. Now, don't just like a statue, you know, <laughs> and then you do the robotic shake, but just really engage them. Say, tell me more. I'm here. I'm listening. And don't ask questions that require them to respond to you in the, well, why did you do it that way? Well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, well, what makes you think that that was the right? That's interrogative and that creates defensive. And then for, you know, we're talking about why I did it this way instead of what just happened. So just start off with just, wow, that sucks. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me how that bothered you. Share, share as much as you want and don't rush it. Just be there and just watch what happens in that relationship. When you say leaders. I, I challenge people to find leadership, to find what we expect from a leader and why not be those same qualities? Why not demonstrate those same behaviors? Be vulnerable. That takes courage. Tell the people the truth. They really want to know and be okay with not fixing it, but be courageous enough to just be authentic and be honest and just see people for who they are from the person that greets you at the door to the person that signs off on the computer at night, the first one in the building and the last one. Treat everybody like they are the CEO. You never know what people are going through in life. And at the end of the day, we just all want to feel like we had a purpose and we did something that mattered. And that's leadership. Yeah, that's great advice. I have loved this conversation. Yeah. I have to. <laughs> I feel I feel so like empowered to go do good <laughs> things. So speaking of going and doing good things, um, Pam, how can our listeners find you or in our community listen listen session near them? Because I know. Our community listens is, is all over the country, right? Yes, actually we are. We're in six locations across the U.S. Awesome. Midland, we're in Midland, Michigan, um, Phillips slash Green Bay, Wisconsin, Charleston, South Carolina, <laughs> uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. We also are in Aspen, Colorado. So there's a lot of places for people to go get these skills. Yeah. Um, and we also have different Air Force bases um, across the U.S. that have um, adapted this program as well. We also have um, uh, a teaching organization up in California that is adapting it and sharing it with their National Teaching Training Center. Um, so there's lots of places and I always come right here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're interested, go to ourcommunitylistens.org. Um, right now, all of our classes, like I said, are full, but you can go there, send a request in to contact me. You can also reach me via email directly at Pamela.King at ourcommunitylistens.org. Um, and just say, hey, I'm interested in taking a class and I will help you navigate the best place and the best time to sign up. And we would love to have 
anyone in this area or anyone that wants to travel. Um, we've had folks from D.C. We have folks flying uh, coming in from Iowa um, to be in our October class. So come and share, connect, and find find a class near you. Go on the website, look at the la- look at the list, and fill out an application as to why you want this transformational learning experience for free. Well, yes, we didn't mention that. This program is 100% free. It is 100%. All three days, all continuous learning is free. It is a gift that our founder, Bob Chapman, and his wife, Cynthia, um, who's the CEO of Barry Way Miller, is gifting the, the country with. And we also have this course being taught in his company um, around the world in Italian and French and Spanish and German. Um, everyone is learning how to change their their, their relationships and and how they deal with others, and it's infectious. Thank you so much for being with us today, Pam. Thank, thank you so you. much, Pam. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.